This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery just like Leicester City this season. So the only thing left to say is, you win, order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants 18+. plus. Rewards registration required, points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 95% of Uber Eats orders are on time, which is great. Because the only thing I care about more than football is spicy pepperoni pizza for kickoff. But on the off chance your order is late, Uber Eats will give you three months $0 delivery fee with a free Uber One membership. Now that's a spicy offer. On time claim based on latest arrival time shown after order is placed. Offer ends to 19-2023. Current Uber One members not eligible. Subscription will auto-renew at $9.99 each month, starting three months from initial enrollment. See Uber.com slash Uber One for terms. Benefits available only for eligible stores. Order minimum supply. Strap yourself in because we're set up, switched on, and ready to go. You are watching and listening to Chris and Lester Till I Die TV on YouTube and your favorite podcasts. This is number four in our series of reviews looking at um, last season for Leicester City. And this is Leicester Till I Die. You can subscribe if you would be so kind. As it says there on YouTube, smash those like um, ticks and click the notifications. We've got a lot of shows coming up over the next couple of weeks, including an interview with the ex-Premier League um, referee Mark Halsey. I'm sure we'll have a few VAR questions for him 
<laughs> yes. Yeah, he's gonna he's he's taking his life in his hands, I'm sure. But this is where you can uh, watch us and listen to us if you are listening on your favorite podcast platform. Watch us on YouTube. Listen on your favorite podcast platform. Or ask your smart speaker to play the podcast Lester Till I Die. Subscribe, like, follow, and join in now. Good evening, John. How the devil are you? Hope you are well. And on this Royal Bank holiday weekend, we have got football royalty with us tonight. If you listen, <laughs> he's smiling that. If you listen to, uh, I'd, can I just say when I say that, I, I, I'm obviously referring to like the, the Prince William side of the royal family, not not the other side. <laughs> before I get into trouble, uh, let's just bring him in. Let's just bring him in. It's BBC Radio Leicester's um, Owen. Good evening, Owen. How the devil are you, sir? Uh, good evening, Chris. Um, <clears throat> very well, thank you. Even better now you've called me uh, Radio Football Royalty or whatever it was. <laughs> yeah, you can, very good. You can Thanks quote me on me. that. Yeah, you uh, know. Well, yeah, I'm going to start putting that in my Twitter bio and all sorts. I mean, you like it's five stars from whatever, yes. yes. <laughs> but, uh, um, obviously, like I say, we're looking back at last season. We've had um, the ex-player with um, Jerry Taggart. We had Rob Tanner for the um, journalist. We've had a fan on, Craig, and, of course, yourself now as the commentator. I mean, in a way, it was a typical Leicester season, wasn't it? Yeah, I think when you when you think about Leicester City seasons, you kind of think roller coaster, don't you? And uh, yeah. that's kind of how it's always been since uh, the dawn of time. So this has been a bit of a, a roller coaster season for Leicester City. There was the incredible highs of the, the Europa Conference League and, and following Leicester um, all over Europe in, in, into the Stadio Olimpico, away at Eindhoven, those immensely incredible highs. I think everyone who was there, everyone who wasn't there, if you're just a Leicester fan, you're going to remember that for the rest of your life. And then there was the incredible lows that kind of go with that as well. Leicester lulling about in mid to the bottom half of the Premier League table. All of the crazy injury situation that happened at the no. football club. And uh, it, it's, it was that one of those typical Leicester City seasons and one that we know Brendan wasn't particularly pleased with. None of the players were either because they would have, uh, they, they would have underachieved from what they wanted to set out to do. Do you think we were almost a victim of our own success from the past two seasons. I think Leicester always will be. They're, they're, they're yeah. going to be, they're going to have to be victims of their own success. And, and that that's the, the key point. I, I hear what Brendan Rodgers says when he talks about um, that this is a football club who, you know, you, I mean, you look just in the last 20 years, the kind of rise and history that they've, they've made. It's absolutely incredible. But they're also a club and, you know, I'm, I'm a massive Leicester fan myself, had a season ticket for years. So I know this from, from experience. I'm not like a kind of a newbie arriving yeah. at the King Power Stadium. But the, the, the idea that Leicester City have the finances to compete with some of the, the bigger clubs is ludicrous. They, they, Leicester just don't have those kind of finances available. So they have to punch above their weight every season. Yeah. They went so close to qualifying for the Champions League twice. And yes, they fell away at the end. But... Those kind of successes mean that, that Leicester are going to have a real difficult time living up to those expectations because it's only right that those expectations with the fans follow the success of the football club on that kind of upwards trajectory. So they're going to have to be a victim of their own success, I think, and forevermore probably, because I doubt we'll ever see Leicester in a position with financial fair play 
to be able to disrupt the hierarchy and be mm-hmm. one of the names who a lot of fans would to say deserve to be up there at sides like Manchester City, Manchester United, Chelsea, Liverpool, Leicester compete with these sides, but don't have the financial backing to do so. No, but I think it's, you know, okay, we're in that sort of mid position where we're not quite up with the Man Cities and the Newcastles. And like I say, we probably never will be, but we're certainly above the Bolton Wiggins, <laughs> Rochdale Oldham sort of yeah. thing, you know. Uh, I mean, Looking back at them, if if we sort of just sort of round the whole season up, I mean, you know, we started off Community Shield winners. For me, that one, I mean, no one's necessarily a game that might actually last long in the memory, but I was there with my son and I was shared that moment of seeing us lift a trophy at Wembley. I mean, it was a great start to the season. European Conference League, semi-finalists, like you say, only losing out to the eventual winners. And we're finishing in eighth position, one off Europe. When you look at it in that sort of package, it wasn't that bad a season. Uh, th- this is exactly what Brendan Rodgers spoke about um, mm. uh, when we spoke. When I spoke to him after the final game of the season against Southampton, <clears throat> and it was something that when 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 he said it, you kind of go, "Oh yeah," and you you, mm. you realise about where Leicester may have got to. Clearly, the big disappointment in Europe will always be there because. Leicester yeah. have a good enough side and should have gone on to at very, very least the final and should have probably won that competition. After knocking out sides like Ren and PSV and then going to Roma, it's going, it will always be a disappointment. Kieran Dewsbury Hall has said it, Kasper Schmeichel said it, they, all the players got have said it, that they thought they had the quality to go there, beat Roma at the Stadio Olimpico, but on the night they were just edged out. I think... When you look at this, the the seven clubs that are above Leicester in the Premier League this this season just gone, you obviously you've got your top six and you've got West Ham. Who, if you listen to what the media are saying, Chris, you know they they had an amazing season. They are yeah. you know the darlings of the Premier League. They are they're fantastic. David Moyes, what a job! And Leicester only finished one place below them, and and they had this amazing season. But Leicester were deemed to have this very disappointing season. And I was disappointed as well because we all expect more from Leicester now. But it it just kind of shows you the upward trajectory, I think, that Leicester City are on because of where they're going, what they've achieved before. Overall, I think it's a season that they will look at and they'll go, we didn't achieve what we wanted to, but it really, you know, they, they learned some really important lessons this year. And they might have not succeeded on the pitch in some areas, but in other areas, I mean, you see the emergence of Kieran Dewsbury Hall. That yeah. is a huge win of this season um, yeah. because he's going to save the club an awful lot of money in the transfer market yes. at some stage, especially if they're going to carry on playing this 4-3-3. There's mm. so many lessons that they learn on and off the pitch this season that are only going to be useful for them going forward. So overall, a little bit of a disappointing season in terms of what they achieve, particularly in Europe. But loads of important lessons that will hopefully allow them to improve next year. But, you know, I, I think sort of like the last two seasons has been like just Leicester knocking on the door for that fourth and fifth position. But this season, we've had a resurgent Spurs, a resurgent yeah. Arsenal in out of it, West Ham, um, Wolves sort of weren't that far away either. And there's a lot, there's like, you know, six or seven clubs trying to get through the door all at the same time. Yeah, and this is something we spoke about on the Football Forum on our season review, uh, I think a week or so ago. And we were speaking about how you look at the investment of some of these clubs that that's being talked about this summer, £150 million to spend at Spurs. And then you've got Aston Villa, who have already thrown 
loads of money at it and seemingly will can will continue to. Newcastle United have the funds available to go yeah. and manipulate financial fair play. That's essentially what they're going to have to do. All the clubs do it, but yeah. they're, they're going to have to you know spend big as well to improve their playing squad. You've got, as you say, the the, the resurgence of Arsenal under Mikel Arteta. They have a, a sixty thousand seat stadium that they fill every yeah. week. But <laughs> yeah, they fill it. Yeah, um, yeah. but the, you know the, these are huge clubs, particularly you know Spurs, Arsenal, Manchester United, uh, Chelsea, Man City, and Liverpool. They they're the clubs that are, they've got finances beyond any anyone's yeah. sort of dreams. Really, it's. It's a really difficult one for Leicester now because I think the next season, which kicks off in August, is going to be the most competitive Premier League season ever. Mm. Financial fair play seemingly has brought a, a, so many teams onto a level playing field. And as you say, you've got you've got the, the top seven from this season with, with West Ham in the top six. You've got Leicester, Aston Villa, Newcastle, Everton, I'm sure will probably spend big this summer and try and go again. And, and now they've got Frank Lampard. They seem to be just getting going a little bit more. There's there's so many teams that are going to be trying mm. to fit into the top seven places. And it's Leicester's job with probably the lowest budget out of all of those sides to try and disrupt the hierarchy again. But we know they like an underdog tag. Oh, yes. I think we're better when, we're, when we're, we've got that <laughs> underdog tag. Uh, I mean, Andrew says there, you don't have to spend big to win the Premier League. No, you don't. And spending big doesn't guarantee you success. Cough, Man United. Um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm doing a show tomorrow and you know, it's, it's actually a debate show and it's like, who's had the most disappointing season? And okay, you can say, you know, Leicester fans can argue, you know, that ours was, but Man United, Everton, Leeds, they were all yeah. underachievers as to what they would have expected from this season. Yeah, all of them. And they'll all want to rebuild and, and go again. And when, when, and yeah, you, you, I think now with the when Leicester City won the Premier League, obviously the greatest sporting story of yeah. all time, perhaps one of the greatest just stories, full stop of all time. Yeah. And it's so difficult for that to do. The kind of stars aligned; they were very consistent over the whole season. They didn't have European football to contend with, and everyone seemed to be having a bit of a shocker at the same time. It was just a beautiful moment yeah. for, all, of course, all of us, but for for sport and the whole world. I think now, if you want to win the Premier League, you've got to go and sign some serious players. I mean, Liverpool. Look at all the money they've spent. They've won it. They've, they've won it once, and, yeah. and they, you know, they've broken the records for the most expensive goalkeeper, the most expensive centre half. Manchester United throw in. I mean, they've just let Paul Pogba go out on a on a free transfer. Just released him because you know that's a that's a player who's on three hundred and fifty thousand pounds a week was a record signing for the Premier League at the time. Yeah, these are huge clubs with huge amounts of money, and to compete with them, just just to get into the top six, five, you, I mean, you're going to be having to. I think you're going to have to look at having a really deep squad full of quality. But this is Leicester's model, isn't it? We know this, of course, all the time. It's all about finding those rough diamonds, players in maybe French second divisions like Wesley Fofana, uh, and and bringing them in as rough diamonds. And mm. maybe paying a bit of a premium for them. I mean, Wesley Fofana, I think, was about seventeen to twenty million pounds as a sort of a basic fee. Yeah. So you're looking at paying. It's. I mean, it's still an awful lot of money, but compared to the quality that he offers to Leicester City and maybe what he's worth now, it's an absolute snip. 
Leicester have got to oh, find yeah. those rough diamonds. They've got to put them into their first team and they've got to find a way to disrupt the hierarchy because it's crucial to, to the ongoing success. It always makes me laugh when, you know, you hear fans of the bigger clubs and not saying Leicester aren't a big club, but you know what I mean, the so-called Sky Six. And um, they sort of, uh, you know what I mean. I um, and, you know, but then they're not willing to take the risk. They want the ready-made finished article and they will pay over the odds for it. But I think as well, I mean, all this, and we'll come on to sort of all the different topics, as you know, during the show, but the season we've had, when you look at sort of the injuries that we've had, and I think this is actually out of date now from when I did it, you know, over 25, I think it's nearly more 30-odd players injured at some point in the season, nine of which are defensive-minded players. Players that we brought in like Vestergaard in the defence, etc., haven't had a chance to settle because they haven't had regular partners to play with, you know, yeah. and it was almost a case, you know, from the outside, like Brendan would walk into, you know, training on the Saturday morning and say like, right, who's fit? Oh, I've got three defenders, right, I'll play three at the back. Yeah, the, the injuries this season, I think, you can't talk about that this season just gone in any kind of review or in, in the future without talking about these injuries. And those stats that are on the screen there just say, oh, 25 plus players injured, at some point this season <clears throat> and it becomes a vicious circle yeah. because you've only got you, you get these injuries and then because oops you, you're having to you're having to because you've got a very limited squad you have to play yeah. those those players and then yeah. they're playing week in week out two games a week trying to play this difficult brand of football that Leicester play the, the kind of high pressing high possession game it's, it's hard to do physically in terms of fitness so <clears throat> You're playing the same players week in, week out. And then they're picking up repetitive, you know, stretch strain. They're, they're picking up overuse injuries because they're playing so much, just as those other players are starting to come back. But they're not 100% fit. But you have to put them in anyway because you've got no yeah. players. And then yeah. the circle just keeps going round and round and round. And that's where Brendan found himself. And yeah. and luckily, when the, the COVID situation really, really hit around Christmas time, there was a break in, and there was a uh, very little games that Leicester would have to make up at the back end of, of the season. But that helped Leicester so much. And they still had a lot of injuries in there. And <clears throat> I think you can excuse a certain amount, but that kind of level of number is going to be difficult for any club in the Premier League. I mean, you look at Liverpool. They lost Virgil yeah. van Dijk for an entire season, one player, and it almost fell apart for them. Yes. And, and that, that just shows you the quality of the, of the of these Premier League players that start in first teams and, and something that Leicester have to be wary of. And in fairness, Brendan never really came out and blamed it that much, did he? No, he, he was... I, I, <clears throat> Brendan, when you, know, when, when you hear him speaking, he's very level. He never gets too high when they win, never too low when they lose. And that's so important, particularly with the, the young players that they have in the squad. But you don't... He did blame the injuries at some stages this season, but I think he's right to. Mm. But Rob Paternostro from the uh, from the Leicester Riders always says, nobody cares. Nobody cares if our players are injured. Nobody cares if we're out of form. And I always think it's a brilliant mantra for a coach to go, no, nobody, no one else in the Premier League cares that you've got injuries. No one. No. Particularly Leicester, who were often looked over, I believe. And you've got to go and you have to go again. And that was kind of the mantra that you saw Brendan taking. And I thought it was one that, that you know, has to work because the moment you start blaming injuries, 
mm. then that becomes uh, one of the excuses. And you hear managers in the Premier League using the excuses all the time. For years and years, you'd hear, you know, Man United managers, Liverpool managers moaning about the injuries. And you think, come on, your size of the club, the money you've got, don't don't come to me with these injuries. And but like you say, you know, Liverpool had one and and, and their season fell apart. Um but I think at, at the start of the season, it was very much like we expected to carry on where we'd left off. We'd, we'd won the FA Cup, we'd finished fifth. Okay, we didn't quite make fourth, but you know, I, I don't think we failed to get fourth. I think we did very well to get fifth, you know, yeah. in, in my eyes. Um, but the season didn't start quite like we planned, I think it's fair to say. Um, I think at the start, I, I was almost turning into an Arsenal fan. I was almost like, <laughs> yeah, we, 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 we shouldn't, we shouldn't um, be, we should be winning because we're Leicester now, you know, and mm. I think, and it was only after about, I was told this the other day and they said they noticed the change in me sort of coming up to Christmas when it was a realisation that maybe this wasn't going to be our year this year. And sometimes, you know, there was, there was the off season, even Fergie didn't win something, but coming into January, and here's where it all started to go wrong for me. You know, I mean, we absolutely had, a, I mean, we couldn't play games because of COVID. And obviously we had, you know, a squad that you have to name for the Premier League. For the FA Cup, you don't have to sort of name a squad. So, yeah. you know, we ended up with sort of what? One, two, three, four, five, five youth, you know, um, under 23s and a couple of players that you know, weren't normal starters on the pitch. And we beat Watford, the Premier League team, 4-1. Next game, Forest, we went strong. And we, I mean, this is scary because they've obviously just come up. And they uh, they took us apart 4-1. Um, I mean, that was, at least we didn't lose the record of going out at the first the stage like Arsenal did. They'd still hold that record. <laughs> but, I mean, it, it kind of, that I think was when it really hit home to me that it wasn't going to be our season. Yeah, did you say Forest to come up, Chris? I've not seen it anywhere. No one's. I know, no, it isn't. It's really quiet. No, no, no. no they're, they're, they're being their normal quiet selves, aren't they? And the media yeah, are following yeah. suit, which is lovely. But um, yeah, the, yeah. No, somebody yeah. whispered it to me. I don't know. Yeah. I could be wrong, but yeah, maybe you read it in the paper somewhere in the in the middle yeah. of the sports section. Yeah, and yeah. um, the the FA Cup was a struggle, and mm. you know. That that forest game still still haunts me now. It was Gosh, one of the yeah. one of the worst performances I've ever seen, and it was it was really shameful. You can't lose yeah. like you can't play like that yeah. against against your rivals, particularly when you're the Premier League side, when you are the the the, the side that should be taking control of those kind of games. And I think one of the and. Brendan, when he came out after that after that game, and he threw some of his players under the bus, but rightly so. Yeah. You, know, you, you, you can't be playing like that. They clearly, some of those players clearly didn't understand that the level of of what a derby day means. I, I say, and, I, I actually often say, I'm saying that like you know, do this, you know, the the players that are coming in from other countries understand how it feels, but they must have derbies in their countries. Mm. Yeah, they, they must do, and it, mm. it's it's such a strange one. I, I just don't know why. I think Leicester really, really heavily missed a trick in that game, and that yeah. was not playing Kieran Dewsbury Hall and or Hamza Chowdhury as well. Two local lads 
who know exactly what this means. They, 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 they grew up. I, I spoke to Kieran Dewsbury Hall ahead of that game for a big sort of feature interview about his life and how we came through the academy. And then I did a little bit on the end to talk about the Forest game. And you can you could see it in his eyes. You could mm. see how he was feeling. And he was he was like, I'm just hoping I'm in that 11. And he told us that he was ready to go. All the Leicester lads were were buzzing. All the, you know, Hamza Chowdhury, Luke Thomas, Harvey Barnes, himself, you know, all they were all absolutely buzzing and wanted to be involved. And we only really saw one or two of them really on, on that day. And you just didn't get that, you just didn't get that sense of urgency no. from them at all. Horrible, horrible day. And I think it made it made it worse because, like I said, in the previous game against Watford, and and now they're a Premier League team, but you know the, we know they were obviously what sort of team and where they finished. But it was still a Premier League team. But you saw all those names that I mentioned before, and I brought and I put up. They yeah. were giving it their all. Yeah, and, and they were big, really yeah, yeah. They have to because they're, they're you know players like Lewis Brunt. And, uh, and and some of the other players like Casey McAteer, Will Alves, who were involved on that day. That's their moment. That's yeah. their moment to, to go out and shine. Now, I, it, I understand that they wouldn't have played necessarily in a game against Nottingham Forest because totally different game and maybe mm. a little unfair to include include some of those. But there were some big, big names in that in that starting 11 for, for, for the game away at the City Ground. It's... I, I'm like I say, it's still it's still so frustrating to this day. And being in that stadium, being surrounded by Forest fans commentating on that game, it was just like, oh no, because like, yeah. especially when you know that it's already done with about half an hour to play, it's just like, oh. and, and, and it'd been so long coming as well, hadn't it? That was the problem. We'd waited <laughs> so long for it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and everything that went with it, it was like the big build up to a massive yeah. game, and and Leicester just did not turn on. No. Did both, you know, typical Leicester in a lot of ways. You know, <laughs> yeah, we yeah. used to, yeah. Uh, so good evening to Dan Turf Morehouse TV. Yeah, Forest have come up because they've, dare I say, Dan, sorry, I've got to say this, they've replaced Burnley who have gone the other way. So sorry, Dan, sorry. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he, he knows I jest. He's my brother from another mother. Um, talking of Forest, because they, the, the, the rumours are that they have come up. I mean, again, this is another debate show I'm going to be doing in a couple of weeks. I'm very much of the feeling that I did. I don't want them to come up. I, I would have sooner of them have stayed in the second tier. And yes, all right, we're going to get two East Midlands derbies next season. But all I'm, all I think we're going to hear from Forest fans is we're back where we belong. You know, we should be here. And I think I can't put up with that for a whole season. I would have sooner Huddersfield knock them out and they'd come up. Are you happy they're up? Because you know, not. Not obviously, you know, because they're up, but because we can have the uh, derbies, or would you have preferred them to stay in the second tier where some say they belong? <sighs> You're stuck between a rock and a hard place, aren't you, when, it, when yeah. it comes to something like this? Because, like you say, Forest, as much as the, the rivalry might be there, and I, I, I grew up in Loughborough, so pretty northern... Mm. Leicestershire yeah. so and you know there's that kind of big debate isn't there Leicester do they have a rival do they not and I think it depends on kind of where you're from in the county if you're from sort of southern if you're from southern Leicestershire Hinkley kind of way all that around that area then maybe that the Derby is Coventry yeah or maybe if you're from northwest Leicestershire then you're a little bit closer to Derby and Swaddling Coat mm -hmm. and all that kind of area maybe your rival is Derby yeah like growing up in Loughborough maybe it's Nottingham Forest. Maybe you're all three, and you just don't like anyone. But um, the, the I think 
the 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 interesting thing for me is that I think it will it opens up a first East Midlands derby. I think since the nineties, which is going to be fantastic. I think the the Premier League will obviously big it up. They're going to be two mega mega games, but obviously I'm sure Chris, from your point of view, there's going to be some real nerves in the oh, count ahead ahead of those two games, particularly fueled by what happened in January. Exactly, exactly. I mean, the, 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 I think they're actually our favourites to go straight back down again. So there is, uh, the, the other fingers thing, of course, day. is, not, yeah, <laughs> fingers crossed, yeah, not only are we getting two, two East Midlands derbies, but you could, you know, you could say we're well, there six points for us, but we might be pushing it a little bit. By saying yeah, maybe, that. maybe, but yeah. we'll have to wait and see. I think Huddersfield were really unlucky, though. Should have had two penalties. They should have. They should have. And I'm sure, you know, we, we will discuss that and VAR with Mark Halsey when I speak to him next week. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I would have liked Luton to have come up. I've got to be totally honest with you. Uh, but it wasn't to be. Um, no. But, uh, but forgetting the FA Cup and forgetting Nottingham Forest for a few months at least. Um, of course, Europe, we were in. We were in the Europa League. And... Again, I, I, I read it. I mean, I looked at this and thought, right, well, when we got the Champions League, we had probably the best group we could have hoped for. You know, with, with, what, with what, you know, we couldn't have picked a better one ourselves, I don't think. And last season in the Europa League, it was the same. But this season, it was a tough group that we got, uh, we got drawn into. Very tough group. Um, when, you, when you see... Some of the some of the teams, particularly Napoli and, and Spartak Moscow, they they were they were two very very tough teams that Leicester had to go up against and and try and find a way for obviously Pats and Daka leading the line fantastically and Russia yeah. and, and scoring four and they were they were almost through. I mean they should have had that they should they should have had the the group wrapped up way before yeah. then. I think you yeah. have to particularly winning your home games. Vardy missing that penalty. In the in the last few minutes, uh, of course, and then giving up a two 0 lead against Napoli at home in the first game, it was all it was going to be really really tough. But they were almost yeah. through, and let it slip on the on on the final occasion. It was a bit of an epitome of the season, I think. It was. I mean, to be honest with you, I know we were two 0 up against Napoli, but you given me two two at the start of that first game, yeah. I'd have bitten your hand off. <laughs> it was uh, this is Napoli, but. And in that last day, I think there was all three of us, all three of the teams were top at some point. It was yeah. a, a weird group, but we we got through. We got through. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't agree with clubs that like finish third should then drop into the um, competition below. Like when yeah. Man United nearly won the Europa League against Villarreal, that would have almost been like rewarding them for failure in the Champions League. But we were in it. It was, you know. The chat, you know, a new a new cup that was coming along. Um, you know, again, you got the you know the Arsenal saying, "Oh God, I'm glad we're not in that. We didn't want to be in it in the first place, and all this." Um, but it was nice. It was nice, and we got some really good games out of that. And a lot of people. I mean, were you one of those that would have liked to have finished second where Napoli were, but then you'd have got Barcelona, and you'd have got probably got knocked out, but you would have played Barcelona, or would you soon have had the extended run that we had and still played some really big teams? I think any Leicester fan on the night they got knocked out and put into the Europa Conference League, any player, the manager himself even said he didn't really know what the Conference League was. Mm. Uh, I, I think everyone says 
they want to go through. I think I think that's that's just the, the the be all and end all. And I, I I was not looking forward to the Europa Conference League really. I I I didn't think it was a competition that was going to provide us with with good games. And when you look at some of the sides that were left in it, and and clear, this is this is always the thing. When you people might look at sides like Ren, for example, and they're a great side, but yes. on the eye, you might you might if you if you don't follow Liga Un. Then you might look at them and go, well, you know, they finished fifth in a in what some people call a farmers league. What mm. what what's good about that sort of thing? Um, but the 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 journeys that it churned up, the memories I think that, mm. that come with it, I think it was it was brilliant. It was it was so good going to going to Eindhoven, going to Rennes, going to Roma. They were brilliant trips, trips that every Leicester fan will remember forever, particularly the Eindhoven one, if you're in Eindhoven, yeah. when Ricardo scored that away end goal, Rough. absolutely wild. Yeah. I think when, when the goal went in and I was I was screaming at home, we were really <laughs> close to the Eindhoven fans and Pikes was just kind of shrinking into his seat. <laughs> trying to turn yeah. away. But I thought, yeah. no, we've got to go for this one because it was massive. Um, yeah, and the yeah, I, th- I think it was so good. I think mm. I think a lot of people snuffed at it, me included. I'll put my hand up and say I wasn't sure about the the competition as a whole, but I really enjoyed it in the end, and I thought it was one of the highlights of the season and, and something that if Leicester were in that competition again, I would be I would be looking forward to another great European trip. I think when you look at those quarterfinals, if you take blood limped out of the equation. Let me face it, they are the epitome of you have to get your atlas out to find out where they were. But the other seven teams in those quarterfinals, including ourselves, were all teams that have been in the Champions League within the Mm. last 10 seasons. So, and you tell, you know, you look at uh, Jose Mourinho when he he won it, you tell him that it wasn't a a cup that matters. Yeah, and I think UEFA get a lot wrong they they do get a lot wrong yeah. but they got that right i think the way that they the way that they did it. and i think i think the europa league rule of, of teams dropping into that competition helps it a lot um actually because you get those bigger teams that maybe have surprisingly fallen out of europe like leicester um yeah. going going in, going into that competition and i think it really i mean look at the look at the semi-finals Feyenoord, marseille roma leicester they're yeah. four Big teams now, yeah. on, uh, but, but even you know Leicester might have looked at that. They're, they were respectively in their country. They're one of they're, they're they're not as big as what Roma are in Italy, what Marseille are in France, and final in the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. So they were four really good teams, and it's a, I, th- I thought it was a really good competition. I still think Leicester had enough to go to the final. I still think Leicester should have got to the final and and maybe even had a chance at, at winning it. But they're, they're, that's another one of the key learnings, Chris, that Leicester will take away from this season, that kind of big game pressure. Oh, yeah. Yes, indeed. And and to be honest with you, I mean, I think we would have beaten Feyenoord on the night, uh, having watched the, the final. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the fact, it's always good to say, well, we got knocked out to the eventual winners. That kind of <laughs> covers yourself a little bit, doesn't yeah. it? And, yeah, I mean, it was a year, and I don't care what, Fans of Arsenal and Spurs and all that would say they would have given anything to have been in the semi for that semi final that night and have that that atmosphere. Yeah. Spurs haven't won anything for for God knows how long. They take a trophy out of anywhere. <laughs> yeah, in fact, in fact, th- those that watch this show regularly and seeing as you mentioned Tottenham 
and sort of um, not having won a trophy for a long time. Well, let's just do this. It's time for the Daily Spurs. I can tell you it's been 14 years, 94 days, 4 hours, 4 minutes and 44 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, they listen, they'd have taken the Europa Conference League trophy. Don't you worry about that. Oh, I'm sure they, I'm sure they would. I'm sure they would. And John, I have to sort of say, he's an Eintracht Frankfurt fan. So well done, mate. Yeah, the Europa League was a highlight for you. Um, I kind of, I always say I don't like Scottish football, but I was kind of had a little bit thinking, go on, Rangers, you can do it. You know? Yeah. But, uh, well, well done, John. Well done, John. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that was, uh, as I say, at, at the end of the day, it, it was a learning curve. And like, I, mean, I said at the start, I'm sounding, I was sounding like an Arsenal fan. Even more so now, because I've learned, you know, I even think Brendan started sounding like an Arsenal fan. You know, we haven't got Europe next season. That's going to help us. And that's what they were claiming this season. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but, I mean, again, we can't mention this season without mentioning the defence. I mean, it was awful at times. And there was just... I don't like zonal marking. I'm going to be honest with you. And it, I think it just took Brendan. And whether it was because of the players he had, I don't know. But it, we, I remember watching the game and the commentator said, the trouble with Leicester is when the opposition get a corner, it's as good as a goal. And that hadn't finished leaving his lips before the opposition had scored from a corner. <laughs> it was just, it was embarrassing. When when you concede that many goals from corners and set pieces, you mm. you're never going to be able to finish in the in the top seven of, mm. of the Premier League. When when you when you concede the, the most goals from set pieces, Brendan Rodgers started with a zonal marking, which uh, had served him pretty well for the last couple of seasons. Mm. Uh, then he it was obviously clearly going wrong. He went to a man marking system that didn't work. He then mixed the two. That didn't work, and I think I think eventually you have to start looking at the players. Yeah, and I think you have to start looking um, about the desire to go and win the ball. Brendan Rodgers always talks about. I always find it really interesting the first time he brought it up when he said about the profile of player, and he and he mentioned players like Johnny Evans, like Timothy Castagna, like Wesley Fofana. Players who are aggressive in the air, and Leicester were without all three of those for God knows how long this season at times. So, uh, particularly Wesley for fun. I mean, you see with the the goal away at Wren when he scored, the the aggression to go and win that ball, get his yeah. head on it first. That was what Leicester were missing all the season. And there's no coincidence that when he comes back into that starting lineup, that problem starts to starts to ease and Leicester start, stop conceding so much from set pieces and they stop conceding so much from, from crosses out wide. Mm. Not only, play, you know, normal play down the middle of the park. It's, it's all, it was an awful record. It was one that I know Brendan was, was fed up with because every right. single week, <laughs> rightly, the, the media were asking, asking him about it and getting to the point where fans are, 
sarcastically cheering when they defend a corner well. It's difficult. It is really difficult. But when you, as I say at the start, when you when you concede that many, it's really difficult then to go and break into that high. In fairness, I think it all. I mean, you have to take it in, and I say hindsight's a wonderful thing. But yeah, I think looking back, you've got to take into account, and probably we probably didn't at the time, but all the injuries to the defenders that you couldn't get a regular. You know, yeah. <laughs> those last two or three games when we had a regular centre back uh, and a regular, they were there for the three games. It. It improved. I mean, I had the infamous. Uh, I, I I called him Brendan Bellend because it was just one game. And don't give I'm a Brendan. I'm a Brendan in fan. I, I I want Brendan to stay. But the West Ham game, where I think we were two one up, and at the he we were we conceded we you know, conceded a corner, and I think it was like the ninety first minute, and he brings Vestergaard on. Now I can't blame Vestergaard for that. Because, I mean, I was always taught when I was playing football at school, never change a defender or make any substitutions when you're about to, uh, you know, defend the corner. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's the superstition, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, you ne ne never do that. I, I, can, I can see the thinking behind it. You can mm. see the corner. And he's spoken about that profile of player so long. Vestergaard is way over six foot six, isn't he? He's a, yeah. he's a monster in the air. And in the games... foot when he jumps, though, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. But in, in games where uh, Leicester have had their backs against the wall, they're the games mm. that Vestergaard has performed best in. Yeah. Like yeah, the Man yeah. City home game when, when he played in that, they were basically camping on the edge of their 18 yard box and he was throwing himself in front of shots, huge tackles, winning headers. That's when he's at his best. So I can see that thinking. But as as you already said, Chris, you know when when Leicester were conceding a corner, it felt like they were going to concede as well, and you could kind of you could see it in the players, and they all mm. just seemed to shrink just a, just a few inches or so, and it's it's really difficult. It's really difficult because how you fix it when you've tried zonal, you've tried man marking, you've yeah. tried a mixture, you've got a set piece coach, and it's still not working. How how where do you where do you go from here? But this this is I suppose why managers are paid the big money, aren't they? Exactly. exactly. But it also one thing that really really annoys me, which I brought up on the last slide there, was playing out from the back. And I know a lot of teams do this, um, but we, we again we lost the ball so many times, literally on you know the, the edge of the box or you know on that line, and conceded a goal. <laughs> it was like kick the ball. And I know all right, Casper's kicking isn't particularly the best and you you got as much chance of it ending up in, you know, the, the fans as you have sort of, you know. But at least then it's up at that end of the pitch, you know, and you've got playing out from the back. And I think the fact that Soyunchu is got ended the season with the highest pass rate probably sums it all up. I mean why yeah. I mean again does he not look at that and think yeah, we conceded a lot of goals for that. We shouldn't be doing that. I think I mentioned earlier about the the way which Leicester play, which mm. um, tactically is is something I'm really fascinated in because it's as you know, it's really difficult to play it because you've got to be super fit and yeah. you, to be able to press the game like Brendan wants them to. But you also got to be super good on the ball because he wants players to take the ball in pressurised areas. And this is why James Madison has really shone this season 
because he's one of those players. He can pick the ball up between the lines, between players in tight areas and mm. keep it because he's got he's great with his feet and he's great with the ball and he's got good spatial awareness and he knows where his, his teammates are and he can fire it off and play into spaces. He's, that's why he's really good. But I think the problem that comes is an unsettled back line like that when you've got players like Daniel Amati, who at the start of the season was playing more football than he probably has in the last yeah. three or four years at Leicester. And he's he's really churning the games out. And he's he's receiving the ball and he's not as comfortable on the ball as a player like Wesley Fofana. Mm. But do you change do you change do you have to change everything then? Because if you if you do change the way that you build from goal kicks and free kicks in your defensive third, you're then having to change everything further up the field and into midfield. It changes because the midfield might get bypassed completely. It goes to a striker. Yeah. Can Vardy win it? Vardy was again. Vardy was is Leicester's biggest aerial threat, I think, in terms of strikers against Ian Acho or Dakar. And he was yeah. unavailable for a lot of this season as well. So all of a sudden, you're you're, you're putting a ball into someone like Ian Acho who when he's got his, his back to goal, is either his touch is dead on the money or it bounces five yards away from him. And Pat yeah. Sandaka loves to work him behind. It's it's really difficult. And I think I think if Brendan had changed that mid-season and changed the whole kind of tactical way in which Leicester play, it would have taken them longer to get there, to sort of get into a rhythm. And then you start getting the players like Wesley Fofana back and then you have to change it all the way back to, to what it was before. I think it might have been more trouble than it was worth, but maybe yeah. there was, you know, there's experiments in there as well to see which players can can hack this. Yeah, and I think I think you know we, we've accepted that it hasn't been a bad season, um, but it's been a season, like you say, where you just got to take a lot of lessons out of it yeah. and, and use those and build on those. Um, uh, uh, you know, in the coming season, a, a comment here that uh, uh, from James, and he says, "Owen, your coverage has been so good this season. Really well done, mate. Next oh, season." You. Please, can you add player ratings at the end of each match? We'd love to hear you and Pipes go through one by one. Okay. So, essentially, kind of what you see in the Mercury that everyone yes. batters. All you're going to do with that one, of course, is cause arguments because everyone's yeah. going to disagree. <laughs> that sounds like a hospital pass that I'm going to play sideways to Pipes. Yes, I don't blame you. I mean, <laughs> if I do a watch along, um, because I'm I'm down based down in Paul, so I can't get to I had a season ticket and I had it up until the great escape year. And then I'm thinking, oh god, it's an eight-hour return journey for me, and the cost, and and I'm you know, I'm not working at the moment, and I thought I can't do this for another season. And my son who was coming up with me said, Well, I'm a college dad, you know, I'm not gonna have the time. And they gave the season ticket up at the end of the Great Escape year. Yeah, that's, that's my luck, that is. That is my luck. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, but even when I do the watch longs, we see the, the points come up on the, uh, you know, for each player. No, Nobody ever agrees with them. It's all it's all a matter of opinions, though, aren't they? But uh, Yeah, it's all subjective. Yeah. But I'm obviously conscious of the time for you here. So just, just to round off, the manager, I mean... I've I've criticised him when I, when I, and I think he's got things wrong. Um, I could say certainly with the uh, Vestergaard substitute, but he's he's come in f- for me to do a project, 
and that's you know bring the youth through which is very very good with and a lot of fans have been calling for his head this this season he, he, he's, he's, he's not going to go, is he? We're not going to let him go. I want, you know, the, the, the board are going to back him. Uh, well, I think that there's there's two answers to this question. There's, there's, there's what the, we know from a football club on a factual basis, and there's my opinion. And I think they're both the same. I, I think mm-hmm. Brendan Rodgers is, is, is here to stay at, at Leicester City. And that's something that personally I think is, is best for the football club. The reason that there's a few reasons for this. First reason is the 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 kind of outline of where Leicester want to be, right? And, and Chris, you're a fan. There are thousands of fans, of course, there are. Yeah. And right now, the expectations have risen to a point where you want Leicester to be winning trophies, and you want them to be trying to qualify for Europe and have these brilliant European days. I don't think the expectations are finish in the top four, win the Premier League. I don't think that they're they're no. the kind of expectations anymore particularly with the amount of money being invested elsewhere in the Premier League so to do that and we've already spoken about this you've got to go and find players who are young and you've got to improve them because Leicester can't compete with you can't just go out and buy the ready-made product and and buying a ready-made product is even harder these days because everyone's after them the expectation the price the price of the player the wages the the fans getting on their back when they don't settle immediately it's really difficult is there a better manager right now who it has a track record of bringing players through as youth products, coaching them, being a coach, developing them and bring them into the first team? And eventually, not all the time, everyone makes mistakes. I make mistakes on commentary all the time. It's absolutely fine. Everyone does it. Yeah. Well, you, you've got to find the, the, the manager, the man who's going to bring in these kind of products if that's the policy of the football club. And that is the policy of the football club. And he does that, I think, better than anyone in the Premier League. I think Kieran Dewsbury Hall is a shining example as to that this season. James Madison taking his game to another level, bringing through Luke, Luke Thomas, Thomas. breaking through. Wesley Fofana in yeah. there as well. The the improvement of Wilfred Ndidi's passing game, which has been so overlooked. I mean, I know he's been out for, for a while, but... When you saw Wilfred Ndidi playing before, or when Brendan arrived and before that, his passing was not the best. That is so much better now. Jamie Vardy, he's got him back after a couple of years with under club well playing a different brand of football. He's got him back playing in that way. Kalechi Inacho finished the club's top goal scorer the season before yeah. last. Yeah, these are all these are all players who are, are improving under under Brendan Rodgers. I think you, you've got that. I think you know you, you've got the the way that he un- understands the the club. You've got the way that I, I, ju- I just think he he's the he's the man for the job. There have been some mistakes this season. Every manager makes mistakes. That, yeah, that's yeah. absolutely fine. Some of which he's held his hands up to. Some of which he he kind of held his hands up to and said he couldn't really explain at the time because like the corner thing, he was trying to work that out. I think the refresh this season in the in the summer. This is one of the biggest summers I think ever for Leicester City. Indeed, yes, it is. It is like you say. We've also got to accept that we're Leicester, and you know we we probably would never be able to attract a Pep Guardiola or that sort of a manager <laughs> anyway. So, like you say, you know when you're saying to people, and early on in the season, well, all right, you want Brendan out. Who do you want in? And they, you know, they throw Graham Potter at you, or they think, well. We know you're not going to be any better off, really, you know. But 
I, I want Brendan to stay, and, and you know, I, I hope he does, and I hope he's 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 here. I think I think as a, you know, some clubs and managers go together, and I think Leicester and Brendan Rodgers, and I think we've got to accept as Leicester fans when we win, we've got to enjoy it when we win it, but it isn't going to happen necessarily every single season, you know. But... Yeah, and I mean, he he's outlined before when I mean when he first came to the club, he said it, and he said it, he said it to me numerous times as well about. The three things that he wanted to do when he came through the door. The first one was develop youth and bring them through the first team. The the, the second one was uh, challenge and win trophies. And mm. the third one was try and qualify for Europe if we can. They were the three objectives outlined by the club to Brendan Rodgers. He's qualified for Europe in his three seasons, three full seasons, twice. Mm. He's yeah. won the FA Cup and the Community Shield and brought through... Uh, and brought through at the very minimum two first team players in Luke Thomas and Kieran Dewsbury Hall. Yeah. I think that's pretty successful in terms of <laughs> if you're going did. by out, what the out, what the club outlined to him. If you're going by those expectations, yeah. he has fulfilled all three of those expectations. So I think the, the club are really happy with him, and I think I think he's definitely here to stay. I think the problem is that the, the better you do, the higher the, the, the higher expectations grow, but. You know, let's not turn into Arsenal fans, please. And very, very quickly, before I, I, I let you go, um, just a, a couple of players going out and maybe a couple coming in. Tielemans, I mean, Rob was saying there's only really Arsenal that's sort of showing any interest in him. I mean, he said he's happy to stay in the year if that is what's going to happen. But we can't afford to let him go on a free, can we? I think it would be... I, I don't think personally um, Yuri Tillemans will go on a free transfer. I think it, it will. one of two things will either happen this summer. He will leave the club and Leicester will get probably somewhere in the region of their money back, essentially, mm -hmm. on Yuri Tillemans. Or he won't leave the club this summer. And I think if, if that is the case, I, I can see him signing a new deal, Chris. I really can because... We saw that with Harry Maguire, didn't we? Kind of well, big I didn't realise that until Rob told me that that's what Harry Maguire did. And big up to Harry Maguire for doing that and, and credit to him. Because I say, mm. I, and I don't think a lot of fans necessarily know that he did that. But because I said to Rob, why doesn't he just sign a contract that says if a Champions League club comes in for him, he can go? A bit like Jack Grealish, you know, but yeah, that would be yeah. great if he could because then we don't lose out. Yeah, and, and it helps protect the football club. And I think yeah. I think I, I I can just see that happening. I think Yuri's a really um understanding, nice guy. I think I think everyone kind of gets that impression from him when you hear him talking in interviews. And I think he, he does love Leicester City, otherwise, you know, he, I don't think he would have come no. to the football club. And he's he will go down as a, a legend and in yeah. and will be immortal for Leicester in their folklore forever because of the FA Cup final goal. Plus all the in, yeah. invaluable contributions that he offers to the side. But oh, yeah, like I said, I think, I think that's what's going to happen. I think we either see him leave this summer, less to get their money back, or he stays, signs a new deal, and, and maybe goes next year. Yeah, brilliant. Papamende. I mean, I like this player. Um, and I think when we haven't got um, Indeedy fit, mm -hmm. I think he fills in very, very nicely. Uh Probably a little bit peed off with the fact that he wasn't included in any squad at the start of the season. We know the reasons why. Is he on the way out, do you think? Is he one of the ones that's going to be going? It's a difficult one, this. Mm. And I think Papi Mendy, 
and Wilfred and Didi are the two are the two better holding midfielders yeah. at the football club. Um, and Didi's better at you know jumping out from that holding midfield role and, and defending the space. Papi Mendy's better on the ball, but can do a little bit of that. They kind of really, you know, if you put them together, you'd get the, almost the perfect holding midfielder, I think. <laughs> Um, yeah. But I think it depends on. I think it depends on what Papi wants. If Papi mm. Mendy wants to play week in, week out, then Leicester City is not the club for him. Yeah. And and that and that's and that's clear. If he's happy to play, um, maybe you're looking less, especially next. Excuse me, especially next season when there's no European football. You're talking less than twenty games, maybe for Papi Mendy. Like maybe maybe you're talking around ten to fifteen games a season or ten to fifteen appearances. If he's happy with that, then I think Leicester will will definitely keep him. And I think the Papi Mendy thing hinges on if what happens there will hinge on on maybe Hamza Chowdhury and, and where he will be next season yeah. as well. Yeah, we've got to sign Luckman, haven't we? I mean, he's yeah. he's just been a revelation when you know he, when he comes on, he just he gets you know you can feel the buzz in the or you can hear the buzz in the crowd, and you know fans have said this you know when they've been win at the game. It, I mean, you know, if we paid 15 million for for Vestergaard, no disrespect to him, this guy is saying I'm quoting the same money. We've got to sign him. Yeah, I think um, I think that the official kind of well number that's going to cost Leicester is 14 million. Which, when you consider a winger of his quality and what what he's added to Leicester this season, I think that's yeah. it's a bargain. Yeah. But um, Brennan Rodgers, in his final press conference of the season, spoke about the balance in the finances and that's going to be really important for Leicester this season. They have areas where they where they want to improve. Uh, one of the one of those areas is a centre half, particularly a left-footed one. They want a, a left-footed right winger and a hold and a, a centre midfielder as well. So they want to get those ones tied up. It might be a late one I think. I think we might see Adamola Luckman's deal go all the way almost maybe and and see I I don't know how long is is kind of the, the kind of option to buy is valid for, mm. but um, that it's certainly one that that needs looking at because if if they if they don't do it, it's because that the funds aren't there yeah. after they've gone and signed out their their main targets. Brennan says he wants to do it. It's just a case of making sure the key areas in the squad that they have to improve are improved this season. And once they've done that, I think they'll look at Luckman then. But personally, I'd love to see him at the football club. Um, I don't think he'll play on the right-hand side, though, if they do, because I, I think it'll be more competition for Harvey Barnes on the left. He, he is very bad. And when he was at Fulham, you know, they said he he, he was he, he plays better on the left-hand side. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's but... where he scored that goal against Liverpool as well, which yes. Yes. set the King Power yeah. Stadium rocking. Yeah. Last last one. You mentioned centre-back there. I'm a big fan of this guy. Uh, I lived in Burnley for 20-odd years. He's available on a free. We, we were linked with him literally every transfer window for the last three or four. Johnny Evans, I mean, he's probably going to sign another year's contract. Worrying with that is a bit like with, with Jamie Vardy. Not that they can't do it, but if they get the injury, it's just taking them that bit longer to, to get fit. James Tarkovsky, you know, I'm going to say him. I mean, to me, he's got that experience and that, you know, to, 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 because we know that when Evans is playing, the defense is better. And I think when he's out, if he's injured, we, we, we do struggle. And I think for me, Tarkovsky could possibly fill that role. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. 
Mm. Totally agree. When you look at where Leicester have been weak this season and where they need to improve on set pieces, one of them, I think Tarkovsky's up there with Grant Hanley for the most headed clearances mm. in the league. He is a leader. He's a voice. He's ex- very, very experienced. And on a free transfer, I don't see why not. Yes, it's yeah. going to eat a little bit more into your wage budget because that's just the, the nature of it. You don't pay a, a transfer fee, so yeah. the, the money is is poured a little into the into the wages. But James Tarkovsky is a free agent who, if no other clubs come in for him, will be playing in the Championship possibly next season with Burnley. So I, I think I, I think he is one that will. He's Premier League quality. I think I think that's. Yeah. That's that's easy to see, and I think he'll be one that that they'll definitely be looking at. They've been looking at him for a, for a long, long time. I, I would, I, yeah. you know, you want everyone understands that. Don't need me to tell you to sit here and say that. I think <laughs> it's it's pretty pretty common knowledge these yes. days. But yeah. um, I, I think that's one that they should definitely do. And the free transfer helps, especially what we've been saying about Adam Oluokunmi. If they yeah. get that free transfer for James Tarkovsky, they can get the winger and, and centre midfielder in that they want. Then by not spending on the centre-back option and maybe recouping a bit of money from a centre-half that might be leaving the club, then Adam Oda-Luckman's transfer then becomes a no-brainer. Brilliant. brilliant. Uh, I'm conscious of the time. Thank you so much for, for coming on. Um, I, I, I say I live down in Paul in Dorset, so unfortunately I don't always get to hear you know, Radio Leicester. Um, I presume the the uh, the the, the uh, football show Monday nights is going to go throughout the off season. Oh, it always does. Yeah, the football forum every Monday night, six till yeah. seven on BBC Leicester, or every every Monday night without fail. So uh, yeah, make sure you join me, Pipes, and a couple of invited guests on that. Chris, it's been a while since we had you on, mate. I think you'll have to come on and join us one time. Anytime, mate. Just let me know. I will, I will never do a show at six o'clock on Monday because it clashes. Yeah, <laughs> quite right. <laughs> I mean, you know, you've given your time up and we really, really do appreciate that. Thank you so much for that and take care. And like the guy said earlier, coverage has been great. Um, you know, just keep it up and, uh, and, and carry on. And, and here's to next season. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. And no. uh, yeah, here's to next season. Hopefully it's a good one and hopefully back in those European places, eh? That would be lovely. Cheers. All the best, Owen. Take care. Thank you. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Oh, thanks so much to Owen there for coming up. What a lovely guy. Um, that was fourth in a series of five. I've just got one more um, of these uh, reviews to come up and that's the neutral. Yeah, well, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna have someone who's not a Leicester fan, has no association with Leicester at all, other than the fact that he's my illegitimate son. Um, although we said that, you know, he's he's bold and ginger, so he's nothing like me. Um, but you know what these, you know, ginger haired offspring are like, they always have funny fathers, don't they? But uh, and we'll be joining us next week and he'll be doing the final one, looking at it from the neutral. We've basically covered it at all angles. Leicester's season from uh, an ex-player's perspective, from a journalist's perspective, from uh, a fan's perspective, now from a commentator's perspective and um, the fifth one, I could say, from the neutrals perspective. That's coming up next Tuesday, I believe it is. Let me just have a look. Um, the first show we've got coming up is tomorrow. 
Um, but I've got to tell you about this one, first of all. I mean, it is massive. I'm so glad to have this gentleman coming on. Uh, Mark Halsey, um, retired professional football referee. Um, we're going to be splitting it into two parts of the show. The first part is going to be how you get into refing. Why aren't sort of more ex players getting into it? You know, how does it how does it work, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and uh, <laughs> and look, I know I know you're that small that you know you probably you need the lollipop people to get you across the uh, across the road. But you know, come on, mate, come on, don't. <laughs> Sorry, mate, couldn't resist it, couldn't resist it. Uh, so we're going to have Mark Housley on next week. Um, it will be pre-recorded, so I'm really looking forward to that. He's agreed to come on. Uh, he says there's no no holes barred, so we come in, like I say, his career and 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 how a ref, how you get into it, etc. And also, um, you know, from uh, you know why why say more ex players aren't doing it. Second part of the interview, yeah, we are going to be talking VAR. Um, <laughs> After the Forest Huddersfield game, I think we're going to have to we're going to have to do something. that happens. It's going to happen with VAR. We'll see what Mark thinks about it. Has it improved the game? Has it helped the referees? Or is it just annoying everybody? And we're blaming that where we used to blame referees. And guys, if you're watching, welcome along to Ant. Um, do get over to Ant's Leicester fan channel. It's a great fan channel. He's um, he's coming on um, um, uh, next week with us, so um, he's, he's great. We do a lot together. Get over there, give him your support. Um, so, yeah, we've got that. We've then got the debate show. This is coming up on um, tomorrow at 9 o'clock. It is the debate show. Um, basically, we'll be saying who has had the worst season, you know, and I'm sorry, not the worst season, I guess. It's more who's had the most disappointing season. That's 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 it in a nutshell. I mean, was Liverpool season disappointing because they only got the two cups and they missed the Premier League and the Champions League? Was Leeds, you know, I mean, they, they we were looking at finishing top a half, maybe, you know, even sort of sixth or seventh. And look where they finished. Everton. Um, everybody says about Leicester having a, 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 a an inconsistent season. So was ours the most um, uh, most disappointing season, or was it Man United? Do you know what we're going to be finding out? It's not. It's not going to be a sort of. We're not going to decide that this person has, but we're just going to debate it. We're going to talk about it, and it's all going to be about opinions. We've got an Everton fan, um, a Leeds fan, a Leicester fan. And a um, Man United fan as well. Um, so they will all be talking that as well. What else have we got coming up? Well, going into next week. Uh, well, no, not going into next week. Going into Sunday. Um, we'll be covering the Wales versus Ukraine uh, playoff for the um, World Cup in the in uh, Qatar. I can't, can't believe it when I say that. I still can't believe I'm saying that. World Cup in Qatar in December. I mean, I don't know what was more actually more satisfying. Ukraine actually winning the game because of what's going on for them at the moment or Scotland losing it. 
yeah, I think it was Scotland losing it. 4.30, join us for a watch-along on that. And if you're watching and you want to come on and, and do the watch-along with me, let me know. That would be great. Um, what else have we got coming up? Monday, 9 o'clock, we're going to start our World Cup previews. We're going to be doing it week by week, group by group. And, of course, best place to start is Group A. And we'll be going through the, 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 the four teams there. Um, on, yeah, there he is. There he is. The Ginger Ninja, Daniel, my, my brother from another mother, he will be joining us on Tuesday at nine o'clock for the neutrals review of Leicester City. Um, and then this is going to be interesting. Seven ways that we could increase the atmosphere at the King Power Stadium or we could improve the atmosphere at the King Power Stadium. Um, there's a gentleman, a uni student, has written up a piece and it's got seven ways that he thinks it can be improved and we will be discussing that with three Leicester fans. And um, then we're going to have a promotion special. We're going to be talking to Forrest. Yeah, I know. That's, that's, that's the shitter about next season. We've got to have Forest fans on. But there we go. <laughs> Hopefully we'll be able to wind them up. That's the good thing about having them on. And we've got a Bournemouth fan and we've got a Fulham fan all coming on and talking about their hopes for the new season as well. And then, as I say, the aforementioned Ant is coming on for the debate show next Friday. So that is the 10th. Are you please Nottingham Forest to back up? I asked Owen there, didn't I? And you know what? I didn't want them to come back up. Yeah, I know we're going to have local derbies. We've not had since, you know, Jurassic Age or whatever it was. I don't care. We're the best team in the East Midlands at the moment. I want it to stay that way. Can you imagine if they had a brilliant season and finished above us? I mean, it's been bad enough that they beat us in the FA Cup. So for me... I want them to stay down. I really, really do. Um, but yeah, that's all what's coming up the end of this week and next week. Thanks, guys, for tuning in. Please, if you do get a chance and you haven't as yet, please get over onto the YouTube channel, Leicester Till I Die TV. Subscribe if you haven't. Uh, hit the like button and Click that notification bell and you'll know whenever one we do start one of those shows. Nine o'clock's the big time for all my shows next season, starting now. Um, we're going to sort of move it back from seven till nine and see how we get on with there. So, um, yeah, if you can do that, thank you for watching. Thank you for joining in. Thank you for everybody that was in the chat. Um, if you've been listening on your favorite podcast platform, whatever that is, and we're on, we just seem to be on more and more all the time. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. We are going to be back, like I say, tomorrow night, 9 o'clock, and we'll be debating who has had the most disappointing season. Man United. <laughs> I'm not biased. I'm not biased at all. Thank you very much, everybody. Take care. Thanks for joining. And, of course, thanks to BBC Radio Leicester's Owen for joining us as well and giving his thoughts. Lovely, lovely guy. Take care. Thanks for watching. Thanks for joining in. See you tomorrow night. Stay safe and don't do anything I wouldn't enjoy. Good night. Thanks for watching Leicester Till I Die. This is Chris saying goodbye and see you next time.
It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Automate delivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.